Good afternoon and welcome to Forest Fires. My name is John Clark. Over the past weekend, I saw two separate posts from a couple of my friends in the recovery community. In one post, my friend shared that she had just purchased four new tires on a Friday morning. And by that Friday afternoon, she'd hit one of Nashville's famous potholes and ended up with a flat. The second friend shared that he had just recently spent a small fortune getting his car in tip-top mechanical shape only to be rear-ended a few hours later in rush-hour traffic. Now, what you might imagine is that these two individuals would have griped and complained about their plight, or cursed the potholes or the road department, or maybe even the other driver, or perhaps even complained that the universe must clearly be out to get them. And maybe they would have been justified in reacting in this way, because both of these situations weren't much fun, and neither of them were their fault. As I said, though, these two people are in recovery, and they didn't respond in the way that you might expect. Yes, they were upset about what had happened to them, but in both posts, they somehow managed to find the good in their situations. My friend with the flat tire, she shared that she was grateful that she'd purchased the warranty on the tires, and also shared that she was grateful that the company that had installed them was willing to replace the flat, despite the fact that it had been caused by a pothole. My friend that was in the wreck, he shared that he was grateful that he and the other driver had not been injured and that the damage to his vehicle was repairable. Now, you might think that this is a Pollyannish way to look at their situations. But for those of us that are in recovery, we've learned that focusing on our gratitude, even in difficult times, that's a foundational element of our recovery. For those of us that attend 12-step meetings and work a recovery program, we are often inundated with the concept of gratitude. Sometimes I get tired of hearing about gratitude because I want to focus on what's making me angry, what's going wrong in my life, and what's making me feel like a victim. As much as many of us don't like to admit it, being a victim feels good. But why is that? Because as a victim, we don't have to take any responsibility for our reactions, for our behaviors, or for the situations that are in front of us. As a victim, we just have to sit back and take the onslaught of misfortune and then wallow in our own misery. On the other hand, finding gratitude, even in adverse circumstances, that takes effort. And like I said, sometimes I don't want to exert that effort. I must admit that there have been times that I've gone to a 12-step meeting and I've found myself irritated because the topic of the discussion for that group was gratitude. Regardless of my initial attitude, though, when I've stayed and listened to others share about their own personal gratitude and their own situations, I've found myself finding things that I'm grateful for in my own life. Admittedly, I've done so somewhat reluctantly, but regardless, I've done so, and I ended up leaving the meeting feeling better. The word gratitude is derived from the Latin word gratis, which means pleasing, welcome, or agreeable. According to the Oxford English Dictionary, gratitude is the quality of being thankful. It's the readiness to show appreciation for and to return kindness. And those are both good and technically appropriate definitions, but for those of us that are in recovery, 
Gratitude means so much more. Few of you that are listening would challenge me when I say that being grateful is a positive thing. Yet, despite it being a good exercise and a good practice, being grateful isn't always easy. In fact, practicing gratitude goes against many of our most primal survival instincts. After all, gratitude is an exercise in humility, and being humble isn't as easy as it might sound. Inherent within all of us is a self-serving bias, as explained by author Robert Emmons, meaning that when good stuff happens to us, it's because of our hard work, our intelligence, or our diligence. But when something bad happens to us, it's because of someone else, some unfair behavior, or some universal conspiracy to keep us down and unhappy. If you're honest, you've all reacted in this way at least once or twice in your life. I know I have. Not too long ago, I applied for another position at the treatment facility where I work. I believed that I was well qualified for this position, and I thought I did a really good job in the interview. Despite this, though, the position went to another person. Now, even though I'm in recovery and I'm supposed to know better, I was upset about not getting the job. And at least for a moment, I blamed the person doing the hiring for being biased against me. I was angry with God for neglecting me, and I was even angry at the person that actually got the job. The mystery of this recovery process is that at times I still think like an irrational, emotional, and childish alcoholic. But given the tools that I have at my disposal and a little experience along this journey, I was quickly able to write my thoughts before I reacted like a petulant, entitled child. I can assure you, though, seven or so years ago when I was still actively drinking, not getting that job would have been all the justification I needed for an epic binge. Today, though, I don't have the crutch of alcohol or substances to lean on. I have to face my emotions and feelings head-on, or I risk being overwhelmed by them. If, like me, you've had your moments of irrational entitlement when gratitude wasn't even a thought, don't beat yourself up. We're all humans, and we have to understand that despite how advanced we may think of ourselves and despite how fancy our phones, cars, and clothes are, we have certain survival behaviors that have stuck with us ever since we were hunter-gatherers. Part of the problem is that we as human beings, we don't look at ourselves as animals, but biologically, that's exactly what we are. At our core, we are a primal species, just like any other animal. As a primal creature, we still carry certain survival instincts and ingrained responses. When we are hungry, our body tells us to eat. When we are in danger, we know to either run from the situation or fight it. When our family or those that we feel the need to protect are in danger, we intuitively take on the role of a protector. In a survival mode, we don't feel a necessity to ask for what we need. We simply know that we are hungry and we need to eat to survive. So taking what we need is perfectly justified. Think about it. We don't pay for groceries at the store because we want to pay for them. We pay for them because we've been taught that taking what we want is against a societal norm and that going against that societal norm could result in consequences for us. As much as social mores and societal norms have modified some of our most basic survival instincts, other forces at play in our world take advantage of these instincts and our behaviors. Advertisers and corporations have played upon our instincts and they've played them against us for decades.
How many advertisements have you seen where the well-dressed spokesperson or the attractive person in the ad has told you that you deserve something? Now, it doesn't matter what it is either. It could be a cheeseburger, a shirt, or even a luxury car. You deserve to have this thing, and anyone that tells you otherwise, they clearly don't support you. When we are told that we deserve something, whatever that may be, some part of our instinct kicks in, and we begin to wonder why we can't have it, especially if someone else has what it is that we want. Simply speaking, advertisers play upon our inherent sense of entitlement. Now, entitlement is a nasty word, but if we're going to talk about gratitude, we have to talk about entitlement, and we have to be honest about it. Few of you that are listening to this podcast would like to be called or thought of as entitled. In fact, most of us get irritated when we see celebrities, social influencers, or anyone else for that matter, complain about not getting their way. When we see an entitled person complaining that a sales clerk didn't drop everything to meet their needs, or that a barista at a coffee joint gave them soy milk as opposed to double-filtered, organic, free-range, grass-fed goat milk, we get irritated, and we in turn make fun of them. The truth is, in our own ways, most of us are no different than the entitled people I was just referring to. The only difference is that we don't outwardly act entitled over those same things that they do. We reserve our entitlement for things like our jobs, our relationships, or the behavior of other people in our lives. We hide our entitlement behind our polite manners until the universe that we believe owes us a fair life does something that seems unfair. Sure, you don't complain about your expensive coffee, but you've complained that someone owes you a certain response or that the universe owes you a certain level of fairness. Let's get one thing very clear. The universe, the world, and life as we know it is neither fair or unfair. It just is. The universe, nature, life, God, etc., it doesn't owe you anything more than what you've already been given, which is life itself. If we're honest, the universe has given us far more than any of us deserve. Yet we still complain because life doesn't look or feel the way that we think that it should. Long ago, I was asked a simple question, and it's a question that I still pose to people today. If you woke up this morning with only what you'd given thanks for last night, what would you have today? Now, I can only speak for myself, but there are many times in my life that I would have woken up with absolutely nothing. Most of you, at least sometime in the last month, have woken up and dreaded the day that was in front of you. Perhaps you didn't get enough sleep or you weren't looking forward to going to work or you knew that the bills were due that day or any other issue for that matter. The fact is, even on those days with adversities and difficulties in front of us, we have gifts and blessings that we are ignoring. Don't think that you're blessed. Feel that rise in your chest, that in and out of your breathing. The simple fact that you woke up this morning, that you took air into your lungs and that you are breathing right now, that's an incomparable blessing. And it's a blessing that's been denied to countless others. Yet, we still take it for granted. For those of us in recovery, gratitude isn't simply a polite exercise in manners. It's an essential tool that helps us to maintain our mental health, our sobriety, and our overall well-being. 
Expressing and demonstrating our gratitude helps to remind us of all the positive changes that have taken place in our life. It helps us to maintain a positive outlook, and it increases our chances of maintaining our recovery for another day. The world that we live in can be called many things, and of course the world is relative to each person's unique perspectives. But few could reasonably challenge me when I say that the world that we live in, especially the Western world, is hyper-focused on the acquisition of stuff. Now don't get me wrong, I'm not anti-American, I'm not anti-stuff, and I'm not anti-Western society. But the reality is, we like buying stuff, and we like being able to buy it anytime we want. From the time that we're born, we're exposed to a constant barrage of commercials and advertisements that remind us of how good life could be if we only had the newest and coolest thing, whatever that thing might be. When I was in middle school, I remember being envious of the kids whose parents had more money than mine because they could have the newest and coolest shoes and clothes. I was convinced that if I could get a pair of Bojacks and Nikes, that social awkwardness that I felt would be cured and that my position in the middle school social hierarchy would change. As adults, we often exhibit the same attitudes that middle school children do. If we can get the right clothes, the right car, the right house, or whatever, maybe our situation will change. Maybe life will be easier, and maybe we can finally be happy. Regardless of what advertisers and corporations may say, they don't care about how much better our feet feel in their shoes or how much easier doing the dishes is with their new dishwasher. They only care about whether we buy their product. I can assure you, retailers didn't come up with Black Friday because they cared about us getting the best deal. They cared about selling the most stuff and making the most money in a single day. We are all part of a well-orchestrated con, and despite all the evidence that proves it, we continue to voluntarily subject ourselves to it. When I was in active addiction, I felt like a victim most all the time. I didn't often tell people that I felt like a victim, but that's exactly what was going on. I constantly focused on what I didn't have. I didn't have a good enough job or enough money or enough of whatever it was. I was incapable of seeing all the good that surrounded me. Now, don't get me wrong. Everything that surrounded me wasn't always good, but I couldn't see the good that did exist. Perhaps one of the most profound changes that's taken place in my recovery has been the ability to be grateful, regardless of my situation. Now, I'm not necessarily talking about my stuff, though I am grateful to have a roof over my head, clothes to wear, and a vehicle to transport me. I'm talking about the relationships, the opportunities, and the countless and seemingly endless chances that I have been given. Rarely, if ever, in my active addiction did I awake in the morning and say, thank God I'm alive for another day. Today, though, in my active recovery, that's exactly what I choose to do because I know how close I came to not being given this opportunity. If you're honest with yourself, many of you know this same reality. The ability to be grateful and to express that gratitude has been clinically proven to improve the quality of life. A 2014 study demonstrated that expressing gratitude to a new acquaintance made them significantly more likely to seek an ongoing relationship. The expression and demonstration of gratitude is therefore not only kind, 
but may actually lead to new opportunities. In a 2012 study, it was demonstrated that people that express their gratitude regularly are less likely to encounter aches and pains and normal sicknesses. Likewise, in a 2011 study, it was clinically demonstrated that people that spent 15 minutes jotting down a gratitude list before bed slept significantly better and for longer periods of time versus people that didn't do this. So what does all this mean? What it means is that being grateful and overtly expressing that gratitude can improve our relationships, it can improve our physical health, and it can make us even sleep better. And that doesn't even include the mental and emotional benefits of gratitude. With all these benefits, it would seem that being grateful would be an easy thing for us to do. But that's not always the case. As indicated, the world that we live in doesn't help us to find or improve our gratitude. When we are grateful for what we already have, we want less, and in turn, we spend less. Thus, there's no motivation for advertisers to ask us to be grateful. Because of the evolutionary and environmental forces that are against us, developing a quality of gratitude takes time, and it takes effort. So how do we begin the process of becoming more grateful? One thing that was beneficial for me was keeping a gratitude journal. Focusing on my gratitude was an effort, and something about taking the physical action of putting the things that I was grateful for down on paper each day forced me to see the good in my life, even when all I wanted to do was focus on the bad. A gratitude list doesn't have to follow a certain form, and it doesn't have to look a certain way. I mean, hell, you don't even have to use proper grammar if you don't want to. Just force yourself to see the good that's in your life. It's just an exercise that strengthens your gratitude muscles. Frank Sonnenberg once wrote, Appreciate what you have, while you have it, or you'll learn what it meant to you after you lose it. We often take for granted the people and things that are closest to us because we assume that they'll always be there. From my own personal experience, I can assure you that the people and things in your life can be taken from you in an instant. Because of that, it's important for us to focus on what really matters. Take the time each day to focus on the people, places, and things that bring you real joy. And don't hide that gratitude, though. There is nothing tough, resilient, or macho about keeping your feelings about someone or something else to yourself. If you are grateful for someone, express it out loud and make sure that they know. It's often the things that we don't say that will haunt us far more than the things that we do say. Another way to strengthen our gratitude is to start focusing on service to others. There's no disputing that alcoholism and addiction are selfish diseases. But beyond these conditions, life itself can teach us to be selfish and to worry only about our wants and our needs. To begin cultivating an environment of gratitude, start volunteering for service work at your 12-step meetings. Hold the door for someone. Give of your time and your energy, and not just your money. In the building I work in, there's a sign right above the copy machine that says, When I am helping others, my problems die of neglect. For me, this is a daily reminder that when I get out of my own head and stop focusing on what's wrong in my own life, and I begin helping another person, the problems and worries that I do have, they seem to get smaller and smaller. Focusing our time and attention on our worries and fears will never change the future. 
But focusing our time and attention on serving others and becoming more selfless, that's going to dramatically change your present. Finally, don't compare yourself or your situation to anyone else's. Comparison leads to envy, and envy by its general nature is the absence of gratitude. Learn to be grateful for who you are, what and who you have in your life, and how far you've already come. As I mentioned in my last podcast, comparisons are a useless waste of time because you never really know what you're comparing yourself to. In the end, we must always remember that finding gratitude when life is good and the problems are few, that's easy. But that's not what gratitude really is. Being grateful is more than being thankful. It's a general attitude about life. It's seeing the good in the world that constantly surrounds us, even when our present situation is less than ideal. It's being aware that the harshest of storms will eventually pass and that the sun will shine again. It's about focusing more on what people and situations mean to you and less on what they can do for you. Remember, gratitude isn't an emotion. It's an attitude. Gratitude doesn't happen accidentally. It requires purposeful effort and intentional action. So today, choose to be purposeful and choose to be intentional with your gratitude and watch how your life is transformed because of it. Thank you for tuning into Forest Fires. Reach out and help another alcoholic or an addict today. Lift them up and be a light in the darkness for the addict or the alcoholic that's still struggling. Never be too proud to ask for help and never be too arrogant to give it. Remember, life like recovery is lived one day at a time and we have the power to change who and what we are on any day that we choose. If you're not satisfied with the life that you've been living, Today is one hell of a day to change that. As always, stay reachable, stay teachable, and stay humble. Thank you.